الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن سعيكم لشتى سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم so we're covering the 10 habits of highly effective believers. And today, this is day 9, or session 9. And this session is on focusing attention. This session is on focusing attention. Um, people that are highly effective, if you even look in this world, they tend to be very focused in what they're doing. They take on one task, for instance, and they'll be very focused on that task, and they don't approach the next task until that task is completed. They're very focused and they focus their energy toward one particular, let's say, idea they have in mind. And they won't go beyond that, right? Some of that, sometimes they're called essentialists. They're very focused on what they do. Um, but if we look at the vast majority of human beings and even the vast majority of Muslims, we're very scattered and distracted in our thinking and in our efforts. You know, Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, Inna sa'iyakum nashatta, that verily your efforts, they're like very scattered and distracted. Right? Sometimes we're lured one way and then another way and then another way. You know, rarely can you find a believer who's absolutely focused on one goal uh, and, uh, and, and does everything in accordance with that. Rarely will you find a believer who's very focused on one task and excels in that one task. Usually everyone wants to try a different piece of the pie. You want to try different, you know, different flavors from the, from the ice cream shop. Everyone wants to do something different. Um, but generally speaking... People that are highly effective, they do one thing and they do it very well. They do one thing and they do it very well. And they do one thing at a time and they focus and channel all of their attention on that one responsibility. So I'm going to divide this into two different, you could say, topics, right? Relating to the seerah of the Prophet One is being present and being focused on a particular task. And the next is being focused on a particular interaction or a particular relationship. When we're talking about tasks, and the Prophet had both of them, you'll see that he was a very highly focused individual. In fact, if we look through the seerah of the Prophet and we're talking about tasks now, right? So focus on a task means that I have one task in front of me and I'm going to get it done and I'm not going to be distracted until I get it done, right? How many of us have the ability to do that? Most of the times when we're working on a project, for instance, our phone is with us, we're responding to messages, we're checking email every five or ten minutes. You know, rarely is it that we're just absolutely focused on one particular task. But if you look through the seerah of the Prophet you'd be hard-pressed to find any circumstance where he was doing what we call multitasking, where he was attending to one thing and then one thing and then one thing and one thing. Almost every narration that you'll find, you'll find the Prophet was someone who was very focused on one thing at a time. And in fact, even if you look today, uh, let me just to give you a couple, just to give you examples from like the seerah, the Prophet we know, for instance, the salah, he was very focused in his prayer. Right? When the time for Salah came, nothing was able to was worthy of his attention but prayer. In fact, in one narration, the Prophet, when he was praying, he was wearing like this ring. And while he was praying, his attention was briefly upon that ring, and then you know he finished his prayer. And after the prayer, that distraction bothered him so much because it took him away from the task at hand that he took the thing the, the, the ring and he threw it. In another narration, again, the same thing, the Prophet had a ring on his finger, and he, he felt like it was distracting him over the course of the day, and he you know, took the ring and he threw it. Um, when the Prophet, so when he was in his worship, 
extremely focused, right? The, the whole principle of khushur and khudud that we get in salah comes from the Prophet ﷺ being absolutely zoned in on one task at a time. Um, when the Prophet ﷺ was in the battlefield, again, rarely would you, would you find a circumstance where you could see that he was distracted and trying to accomplish 10 different things at once. One goal, one task, and he would get it done. In fact, in today's world, you know, historically, if someone claimed to be what's called a multitasker, you know, you, you might interact with people, some people at work, and you're like, hey, I need to get this done, can you help me out? And they're like, yeah, no problem, I can do it, I can, I can multitask. Historically, that was felt to be, you know, like a source of pride, right? Two percent of people claim they can multitask. Uh, but the reality is, it's, this, it's a big illusion. There's no human being that can truly multitask. And people that multitask tend to be less effective at what they do than people that unitask, which is that they do one task at a time. They did a study, uh, it was a European study that was done in 2014, and they looked at MRIs of the brain of people that multitask versus people that are unitaskers, that do one thing at a time. And they found that there's a portion of the brain that's in the front called the anterior cingulate gyrus, it's just right in the front. They found that the gray matter volume density of those people uh, which And that region of the brain is, is linked with empathy and emotion and cognitive intelligence and things like that. And they found that uh, people that multitasked had thinned areas of that part of the brain. Uh, now, the question is, is it cause or effect? We don't know. It's a correlation. So, you know, is it that they're multitasking, which causes the brain to shrink? Or is it because the brain has shrunk that they now have to multitask because they're just all over the place? Uh, but the point is that there's a correlation there. There's a correlation between that area of, the bra- of brain density and uh, multitasking. Other studies have shown that people that multitask have decreased emotional intelligence, and EQ level is decreased. And when they test them in IQ studies, people that multitask and they're brought some distractions, they tend to have lower IQs as well. Their IQ score is also lower. Um, There's a study out of Stanford uh, that showed in general that people that multitask and do 10 different things, or let's say multiple things at once, Versus a person who does one task, completes it, moves on to the next, completes it, moves on to the next. People that try to do multiple tasks get less done than people that do one task at a time. As inefficient as it may seem, people that do one task at a time get things done. So it's important for us to think about this, that when we have a responsibility or we have some task ahead of us, that we not be distracted by 20 other things. That we not, one, take on too many projects or tasks at a time. Or that, and, that we, um, uh, and that when we are doing a task, that we remove any distractions that prevent us from doing it. Like, for instance, if we're on a computer and we have a project for work, that we're not also managing email at the same time, or that we're not also engaged in some intense conversation on our phone, or that we're not also checking our social media accounts. We just won't get things done, right? We, it's just not possible. We're not, the, the brain is not designed to be able to do that. We have, the brain is designed to focus on one thing at a time, and that's it. You know, there's a, there's a break that's needed for us to side shift between one task to another task. There, it's, it's not possible for us to be able to do things simultaneously. So we see, all, we see, all, we see this in the, from the deen as well. You know, perhaps one of the best tasks that is designed to make a person try to focus is the salah, right? You know, the salah was a task that the sahaba were so focused in, it comes in narration, that when they were injured, like one sahabi had an arrow that had pierced through his body, and they now had to remove it. But at the time, there wasn't anesthesia, right? I mean, it'd be a very challenging surgical procedure to do that. And so the sahabi decided to engage himself in salah, because when he was in salah, he was so focused on that task that it acted like an anesthetic, that the other sahaba were able to pull out the, the arrow from that. Um, so this is how... Um, 
Uh, so salah in general is that sort of a task that requires absolute devotion and attention, and it's an opportunity for us to practice this. So, for instance, you know, if the ring of the Prophet was a distraction for him, even just a mere glance that it affected him, well, what about a phone that's vibrating in our pocket, you know, when we're praying? Imagine what, how our attention is directed away from that. You know, if we were at the time of the Prophet we would see cell phones flying across, right? <laughs> because it was a distraction. You know, or if we have extra things in our pockets or things in the room that are distractions. I mean, so uh, this is obviously a very lengthy discussion. I've spoken about this in the past, um, and it's available on the website. So I don't mean to, I don't mean to belittle the point, but the take home from this is that we aren't geared to be people that can multitask, human beings. We are best when we unitask and we do one thing at a time and we do it well. We learn this also from the teachings of the Prophet So, I'm applying this to tasks. The next thing when we're talking about focusing our attention, it's on interaction. It's on our interactions. And this is very important in today's day and age because we become so distracted even in our interactions with one another that we're seeing it affecting the relationship between child and parent, husband and wife, uh, brother and sister, etc., 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 if we look at the hadith of the Prophet what was his interaction like? There's a hadith that I mentioned a few days ago, Ummu Ba'bad, she had given this hadith of the description of the Prophet And she says in that hadith, about him, in his description, iltafata iltafata ma'an, That when he would greet you or meet you, or interact with you, he would be fully present with you. Right? The other way to translate this is that he would turn his body toward the person he was interacting with. Literally turn his body and give full attention. Right? Um, which means that the, 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 the Prophet ﷺ, when he was interacting with one another, uh, with another person, he was fully focusing his attention on that person and no one else. His whole body would shift and the world would disappear. In fact, there's many narrations about the Sahaba who say that when the Prophet ﷺ was in their presence, and even if there were other Sahaba, or in general at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, Many Sahaba felt like they were the most beloved Sahabi to the Prophet ﷺ. Why? Because when he would interact with them, he would give them 100% attention. They would think, there's got to be no one who he loves more than me. Right? There's got to be no one who he loves more than me. Um, and this was the ability of the Prophet ﷺ to communicate love. Now we have to remember, when we're interacting with people, and we give attention to that person, and they realize that there's no one else in the world this person cares about, Essentially what we're doing is we are giving our love to that person. And when we communicate with someone and we're distracted and we're saying salam to so-and-so and we're checking our text messages while we're talking, what we're basically saying is you're not that important, right? You're worthy of only part of my attention, which means, you're, which means, that my, which means you aren't going to be able to receive the love, for instance, that the Sahaba got from the Prophet wasallam. You know, I, I, you see the example of the, of the Prophet I already mentioned this. Um, my, my teacher is the same way. This is someone who's obviously very highly concerned with the sunnah. And any time, so he's obviously a very busy person. He's a physician by practice. He's also a very big scholar of deen, etc. But when someone goes to meet with him, so it's hard to meet with him in general. But when you meet with him, you get like five or ten minutes of time. And it is, his attention is 100% on you. Like, there's no phone, he doesn't even use a phone for that matter, so he's not distracted. There's no phone, there's no looking at the clock, there's no watch, you know, to distract, nothing. So when you leave, you're thinking, wow, like, not only did I get all this attention, this person really loves me. And not only does this person love me, he probably loves me more than he loves anyone else. That's the feeling that you get when you separate. It's a very prophetic thing that the Prophet gave to the Sahaba, and the people of piety have it today, and we've lost this. 
right? So we should think about our own interactions and recognize that we're going to be judged. And any interaction I have with a person is one in which I'm communicating my love. Look, this applies when it comes to our children, especially when we have young children, but honestly, even older children. When we're interacting with them, where is our attention and how much of our attention are we giving? Right? We should be giving full attention to our children when we're interacting with them. They notice when we're distracted. They notice when we're distracted. You know, they've done a lot of studies on this, if you're interested. They've looked at they've done these observational studies where they watch parents that are in like their natural setting. They watch parents at like a playground. They did one study where they looked at people at the playground and they observed the distraction that the phone had when they were with their kids at the playground and the effect it had on the children later. Other, other, and their ability to attend to the needs of the children. They also looked at uh, a fat, like they, they observed parents at fast food restaurants who take their kids, with, you know, to the to like McDonald's or whatnot. They observed them, and obviously nowadays everyone has a phone that where they can connect with you know twenty other people at the same time. And they found that people that had you know had their phone with them and pulled it out, they found a correlation that they were less responsive to their children's needs, and they were not able to respond to the attention-seeking behaviors of the child. You know, where a child, you know, the child can notice these things. That, you know, they have this thing called, um, it's called um, it's, it's, um, a still face. It's a still face. They're, 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 they're studying this in social science right now. You know when, like, you're talking to someone, and then you get, like, a, a message on your phone, and you look at it, and then you, you put it away, and then your face is just still for a moment because you're processing that thought, right? It happens. You can, you can notice it. And then if someone's talking to you, not only are you not listening, they can see that you're not listening to them, right? It's called, they call it still face. So they're studying how a still face is affecting children's development later in age, of the, of the parent. The parent's still face, because they're distracted for a moment, you know, responding to a phone, for instance, when they're playing with their children, etc. And they're finding a number of correlations and harmful effects when it comes to upbringing of children. So children notice these things. They recognize when the parent's attention isn't with them. They know it, right? This applies... In the, probably the most when it comes to our spouses. I mean, it applies in general to people within the home, but it applies to our interactions with our spouses as well. It's a major cause of marital strife today, right? That we are distracted. It's called, uh, they call it, um, there's a name for it, called uh, technoference or technoference or something like that, um, where technology interferes with your ability to, technoference, that's what it's called, sorry, technoference. Technology interferes with your relationships, in particular with your spouse. You know, they did this uh, study that showed, it was like in 2019, it looked, at, it, it, it looked at people for 14 days and it monitored their well-being. They had well-being scores, like how good I feel, how well I feel, etc. And they found that the more technoference uh, that was in their life, um, they had decreased mood and they felt worse about their relationship with their spouse. Now, what I'm saying is, Let's say I'm the husband and I spend a lot of time in my phone when I'm interacting with my wife, for instance. It doesn't affect me, it affects my wife. She's the one that reports then decreased well-being, uh, symptoms of depression, etc. after 14 days. It's incredible. Um, I mean, nowadays we're so distracted within the home that when we're sitting with our spouse, we can't give full attention because after a few minutes, someone's things buzzes, someone's phone rings, and we attend to it. And what we're basically telling our spouse is, I know I realize I married you and you're supposed to be the most important thing, but at this present moment, you're not the most important thing. There's something else that I think I need to attend to. Or there are other people that are worthy of my attention. Um, they did a study at BYU that looked at technoference as well, and they found that people were more interrupted, uh, sorry, people, couples that looked at couples, 
and the spouse of the person who was most distracted, that person exhibited more, depressed, uh, more symptoms of depression and decreased life satisfaction. So it's very important that we, that we be present when we're around people. Right? If I'm here right now at the masjid, I have to be here. I can't be somewhere else. I can't be, you know, for instance, watching the live stream of the Haramain. That's not, I'm, not, I'm not there for I'm here for Allah in the masjid. If I'm talking to someone over dinner, I have to be there 100% of the time. It's not that I can be having dinner with my wife or dinner with a friend, or I'm at a coffee shop having coffee, and simultaneously I'm you know, messaging three other friends in a group chat on the side. You know, the Prophet didn't do that. Iltafata, iltafata ma'a. When he was with you, he was 100% focused on you. He gave all, all of his love to you. He didn't disperse his love amongst other people. It was on you. So when I'm interacting with people, like my children, and I have to give them love, and they need love, and I have to give my spouse love, and he or she, they need love, the best way I'm going to be able to give it is by giving attention. And honestly, this is so many situations I've heard of, and people that have sought, you know, um, advice and counsel, especially when it comes to marriage, this is one of the most common things we're seeing today. It's a leading cause of strife within families, and that is um, that I'm not getting the attention I deserve, and it stems because of the distractions that are within the home. So, um, you know, not to belabor the point, So, but it's very important that we follow the Sunnah of the Prophet and that we be present in whatever we're doing. If we're involved in a task, Salah, we're 100% focused on Salah. If we're doing our homework, 100% focused on that. If we're reciting Qur'an, then all of our devices are away, we're just focused on the Qur'an. If we are attending to email, we take care of all our emails and we don't click multiple tabs simultaneously so that we can multitask, so to speak. You know, put every distraction away and do one thing at a time. And when we're with people, especially our family members, be 100% present, you know, with, with family. Be 100% present with friends. Be 100% present when you're in the masjid, etc., etc. So, uh, the practice points then, uh, which I've kind of included in the discussion. The first is when it comes to tasks, I guess it's not so much a practice point more than theory, but it's something that we can figure out on our own. Um, that people that in general are successful are those that do one thing well and do it at a time. And they don't try to do thing, multiple things simultaneously. So if we desire to be successful in whatever we're doing, effective, for instance, in our recitation or memorization of Qur'an, or effective when it comes to our interactions at work or at school, then we should take on one task, complete that task before we move on to the next. The second take-home point is that we should be very particular about our interactions and, if necessary, create, for instance, mobile-free zones within the home or mobile-free times within the home. You know, there should be some hard rules that, look, you know, between the hours of 6 and 9, no one in the house is using their phones. Between the, you know, maybe at the dinner table, no one's allowed to have a device uh, or any distraction. No Apple Watch, nothing like that. This is our time, 45 minutes an hour, where we spend with each other and fully absorb that, the, the barakah the, and the, the reward and the blessing and the comfort that comes from that interaction. It may be a space that, look, you know, the living room, this is where the family gathers. We are not bringing our phones into the living room. They have to stay outside of the living room and no other connected device is allowed to be in there. So that when we're interacting with one another, husband and wife, parent and child, brother and sister, friend and co or colleague and colleague, that we give each other the attention that we need so that we can receive from each other and give to each other the love that we saw at the time of the Prophet wasallam as well. So this is a habit of people that are highly affected. There's no debate about this. You could look at anyone who's successful in this world, be it from a dunyawi standpoint or from a dini standpoint, they're absolutely laser sharp focused on 
the task that they're responsible for, or maybe that moment that they're attending to. Be it salah, be it Quran, be it dhikr, be it coming to the masjid and they're focused in the masjid, be it interacting with their family, friends, colleagues, be it writing a book, um, be it uh, you know any other endeavor that we that that we take on in this world. So may Allah subhanahu wa taala grant us a tawfiq to be focused in our efforts. May Allah subhanahu wa taala allow our attention to be focused. Uh, in, in the way that the attention of the Prophet was focused, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put barakah in our efforts, in our relationships. Wa akhra da'wana, and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.